you know, great memories have been made. Lessons have been learned. Lives have been changed. And, and life has been invested. This place for me is, is a special place. Um, I wasn't, you know, just raised in this church from birth, but I was, I was trying to think, I, I don't know, maybe five or six years old, maybe just a little older. Um, a, a friend brought me and his, his neighbor brought him. Uh, Steve Robinson was pastor at the time, so, I mean, that gives you kind of a time frame. Um, and then later, John Hewitt came. Uh, I remember John Hewitt was preaching, and, and at, at some point I realized that, that I need what he's talking about. I need to have the things that he's talking about. I need to know this Jesus. I was young. I didn't know everything, but I know that I knew that there was something else that I needed, something else that that was needed for me. And, and after saved and baptized at some point later, uh, Pastor Stacy came. Um, you know, I, I remember all through high school spending time with Pastor Stacy. You know, we'd we'd go out to breakfast. We would, um, you know, whatever. We'd, we'd have time. We'd pray. He'd have me over at his house. And um, uh, Sarah and Caitlin reminded me that you know that they were scared of me when I first came because they were little and I was so big. Um, and, and you know, through the through Stacy, I you know I. I, I recognized the call to ministry. Um, Pastor Stacy was brave enough to let me preach my first sermon here is on a Sunday night, and, and I'll be honest, I was extremely nervous, and and you know I, I thought, oh my, um, this is insane, um, extremely nervous, extremely sweaty, and, and if I would, if they had record of you know time of a of a sermon, I would guess that that was probably the quickest uh, lesson that was had on a, a Sunday night or any time at Northridge Free Will Baptist Church. Um, I, I went off to college. Um, I went off to USAO. I went off. You know, Stacy was still involved in my life, and, and I, I became licensed to preach and then later ordained. Um, Stacy had contact with... Uh, a pastor of a church in Oklahoma City who was looking for a youth pastor. And so they, they, they got me hooked up there. And um, I, I transferred to Hillsdale at some point. And one thing that, that this church, they, the, the church helped. The church gave a scholarship. And, and something that's really cool is that, that at Hillsdale, or now Randall University, that they, they, uh, they doubled what a church would give. I'm like, sweet. And, and so... Um, the, the church helped in with that. And, and I don't remember the exact time, but it was like either December of 08 or maybe January of 09. Stacy calls me and says, hey, how about you think about coming and being a youth pastor? Now, born and raised in Guyman, went through high school. I'm leaving town. I'm never coming back. And, and, and he told me, he said, think about it. I said, okay. Um, and then, you know, I thought about it, thought about it, prayed about it. And I, I believe that, that God was leading me back here. And and so maybe there was some point I you know, had to eat a little bit of crow. Oh, Guyman's off. No, Guyman's a, a pretty good place to live. Um, Guyman has been good to me. Northridge has been good to me. Um, 
Today we're going to do things just a little bit different. It's not, you know, your three-point sermon and done. Um, we're going to stroll, stroll through the narrative of the resurrection. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. And once you find there, I ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. This is, a, this is one, of the, one of the essential passages of Christendom, that, that without this passage, it would just be a, a, another you know, religious leader dying. Without this passage, we would not have Christianity. This is, this is a, a call for everybody. But let, let's look and let's read through here. Mark chapter 16 and verse 1, it says, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went to purchase burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked and they saw that the stone was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robes sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look. This is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there just as he had told you before he died. So as the woman fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. They were briefly, they, then they briefly reported all this to Peter and his companions. Afterward, Jesus himself sent them out from the east to the west with, uh, with sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. Verse 9 says that and Jesus, after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, from the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went, out, went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what, what had happened. But when, when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen them, they did not believe her. Afterward, they appeared in a different form. He appeared, appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. They rushed back to tell others, but no one believed them. Still later, he appeared to the eleven disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. When, when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he, had, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they, had, or what they said by many miraculous signs. Let us pray. Dear Father God, we come before you. We thank you.
so much for today. God, we thank you that we can gather in your house and, and God, we can hear your word. God, I pray that as we look in your word, I pray that, that, that you would reveal yourself to us. God, that you would speak to us, show yourself. God, that we would be changed because of your word. God, I pray that, that I would be a vessel. God, that I don't want to get in the way of anything that you have. God, I just pray that you open our hearts and open our minds and just, just allow us to hear your word. God, uh, whether we need conviction, convict us. Maybe we need encouragement. God, I pray that you would encourage us. God, maybe we need salvation. And God, I pray that, that we would know that we know you when we leave here. God, thank you for your word and thank you for your people. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. We, we look at this, this, this pa- passage of Scripture here, and, you know, this is like the, the Easter story, right? This is the resurrection, that, that Jesus was dead, Jesus was put in a tomb, um, and, and Jesus is now no longer in the tomb. That, that you look at this, and, and many skeptics will fight this, and they will say, well, you know, Jesus wasn't really dead. Jesus was just asleep. Jesus was um, just taking a nap. Or, or maybe that, that Jesus' disciples took his body. And, and, and so they took his body so that, you know, they can say that he rose. But, you know, other Gospels tells us that, that the, the tomb was guarded. Here it just mentions the stone, but the, the tomb was guarded. And so um, my, my assumption is this, that... Uh, the, the people guarding the tomb could probably take care of a couple fishermen, that, that they would be able to defend the tomb against a few fishermen. Um, and, and you look at it later on in life, that, that the disciples um, say one of these happened, say Jesus was asleep and he never really died, or, or that maybe they did, maybe they took his body. The, the disciples lived their life and they died for a cause that they believed in. They, they, they died for the cause of Jesus. They, they died because he was dead and he was alive again. Um, they, they did not die because they, they, there was a lie that they were proclaiming. Um, that, that they would not you know, die for something they knew to be false. I mean, that, that's human nature. That if, if we know it's something to be false and it comes to life or death, um, and, and if I know it's going to be false, I'm going to recant. Okay, well, this is false and this is what really happened. Um, just don't kill me. And I believe that they would have done the same thing. And so there's 11 of them left because Judas had already hung himself. And so most of these men died a, a martyr's death. And so that's not something that, that they would die for a lie. And so, so today we're just going to we're going to stroll through. We're going to look at this narrative and we're going to pick pieces out of it that, that look and they, they apply to us today. You know, the first thing there, it says that, you know, Saturday at the end of, of the Sabbath, um, the Marys and, and, and Salome, they went out to go get spices. They went out to, to go um, basically get the stuff to embalm Jesus' body, um, that, that they were going to get the stuff because Jesus was dead. Um, he died right before the Sabbath started, so they had to hurry up. They had to essentially just kind of get his body in the tomb real quick before 
um, the Sabbath. And so they didn't have time to do like the proper proper burial. This right here indicates that they they didn't believe they or maybe they didn't understand exactly all of what Jesus was saying. These these women would have been in the know. They would have understood or they would have had the opportunity to understand that, you know, Jesus said, oh, I will I will rise again in three days. Uh, so so this shows that, that they didn't understand exactly what Jesus had talked about. And, and it says that, you know, so they, they went there. Verse two, it says very early um, they, they headed to the tomb. And it says that on the way they're wondering. Oh, OK. In verse three, they were asking each other, how are we going to get the tomb? Who's going to move the stone? And you look at it, this is a very valid question. They're, they're, they're going to to finish the burial process. And they're like, okay, we've got this this job to do, um, but uh, how are we going to get in? You know, it was, from what I can understand, a very large stone covering the whole of the tomb. Um, And and so, okay, well, the the soldiers had a whole group of people putting the stone there. How are the three of us going to move it? Um, And so that's a logical, valid question, you know, that, that. you know, Pilate had issued the stone there so that the body would stay in there so that the disciples could not steal it, so nobody could steal it. And it says in verse 4, it says, But they, they, as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Um, kind of like weird. You, you walk up, you, you know how a situation is supposed to be. You, you know that, that the circumstances should be a certain way and they're not. And, and so... Uh, you may be, you, they, they, they ha- may have like wonder, they may have curiosity. How did this happen? Well, let's go look and see. It says in verse 5, it says, When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, obviously. They, they, they walk in and, and they look to the right. They're, they kind of, you know, looking over the tomb and they look to the right. And there is somebody that they don't recognize. Somebody sitting there in, in white robes and they're looking for Jesus who was dead, who should be laying down. They don't see him. They see this man. And of course, you know, fear and terror, you know, run through their mind. In verse six, it says, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look where they laid his body. And so, so you imagine that, that these three women, they're walking in, they, they see this, this white being, this, this angel, and it says that Jesus isn't here. Jesus is what he said he would do. He said he was going to you know, rise from the dead, and that's what he did. And I like how he, he very plainly tells them that. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. And if that wasn't enough just for him to verbally say that, he said, okay, well, look where they laid his body. They would have known where the body would have been laid. It wasn't like, oh, well, maybe we went to the wrong tomb. No, they, they would have known. This is where Jesus was, and he's not here now. I, I, I like that he tells them, don't be alarmed. You know, you look at this like for us. Say that, that we, something happens to us, and, you know, we're, we're worried. And someone says, don't worry. What does that do? But, but you look at who this came from. This came from an angel, and he said, don't worry. And I, I, think, I think there's a little bit more to that than, than coming from a human who says, oh, don't worry about it. You know, don't be, don't be mad. 
what? How does that even help anything? Don't be mad. But this coming from an angel, I believe that I believe that that had maybe a little bit more power than coming from a human. Don't be alarmed. And I like verse seven. I like verse seven. He says, now go and tell all the disciples. And I like that it says this, including Peter. Go tell the disciples, including Peter, especially Peter. That Jesus will go ahead of you to Galilee. Says that you will see that he you will see him there just as he told you before he died. Jesus made that statement. He says, I'm going to die. I'm I'm going to come back to life and I'm going to meet you in Galilee. I, I, I like this, that that the angel specifically mentions Peter. Why Peter? Well, if you, you go back. Peter, you know, all the, all the things are kind of coming to an end for Jesus and and Peter stands up and says, Jesus, I'll die with you. I'll die for you. And, and Jesus said, Peter, here's the thing. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter says, no, I won't. I'm going to die for you or with you if it comes to that. And, and, and through the night, Jesus has Jesus you know, gone through trial and everything. And Jesus, uh, Peter denied Jesus. Just like Jesus said, Peter denied Jesus three times. And you imagine that you you look at this and imagine the the feelings, the thoughts going through Peter. Man, I failed. I royally messed up. How can how can Jesus even care for me? That I, I failed him. I told him I'd die for him, and I was a chicken. I was a coward. I I, I ran. I, I like that 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 the angel says, "Go tell especially Peter." I believe that this was a a reassurance for Peter. This was a kind of a, a a thing that said, Peter, you messed up, but it's that's not the end. It's not over. Your life's not done. You still have more that I need you to do. You know, the thing is that that Peter could have felt and probably did felt he probably felt shame. He probably felt you know, awful and terrible and, and, and shame. And the thing is that, that that God does not want us to feel shame. God wants us to be convicted, but God does not want us to feel shame. And the thing with Peter, Peter goes on to be, be the great leader of the church. P- Peter goes and does great things for the name of Jesus. It says in verse 8, it says that, that the, after this, it says the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they, they were frightened. That, that they go and all this transpires, all this happens, and they say, wow. I mean, you look at this, that I, I've never seen an angel. I've never had an angel appear to me and speak to me. And so you look at it and, wow, this just happened to us. This just happened, and it says that they, they didn't tell anybody because they were too frightened. They, they didn't go tell everybody they saw as they were running back to town, Jesus isn't, isn't in the grave anymore. He's alive. No, it says that they were frightened. They, they were afraid of what they would say, they would do. Oh, you know, whatever. And it says that they briefly reported all this to Peter and his companions, to the disciples. And in verse 8, it says that afterwards... Jesus himself sent them out from east to west with sacred and unfailing message 
of salvation that gives eternal life. Let's kind of look at this. What would have happened if the disciples would have said, you know, Jesus, you know, I see that you've raised from the dead. I see that you've overcome death. Um, but I'm not going to preach the gospel. I'm not going to, to tell people this wonderful message. You, you look at this, that, that 2,000 years later, we have this, this organization called the church. Because these men were faithful to do what God called them to. That, that, that these men, they listened to what Jesus said. They were faithful. Jesus said, go preach the gospel. And because they did that today, we have this organization called the church. That, that, that Northridge Free Will Baptist Church is part of this, this bigger church that, that, that has all believers. Because these disciples were faithful. The disciples had disciples who were faithful to, to God's word. And that goes on through time. And, and time and, and God's providence that God had his hand on this. We go to verse 9. That, that this is kind of broken up. Some of your Bibles might say that, you know, this is the shorter ending of Mark or this is the longer ending of Mark. Um, and, and we've got all sorts of time left, so we're going to do the longer ending today. Um, and it says, after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman whom he had cast out seven demons. I, I like this, that one of the first people that Jesus saw was Mary Magdalene. You go to Luke chapter 8, verse 2, and this is where demon, the demons are cast out by Jesus. And, and so that, that this, this woman who had this life-changing situation happen, this life-changing event because of Jesus, is one of the first ones to see Jesus. And I like it that it says that, you know, that she went and she in, in verse 10, she says she went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. The disciples at this point, you know, the, their teacher, their leader, their friend was dead and they were grieving the loss of him. And, and so so Mary Magdalene, who sees Jesus, who talks to Jesus. She goes to the disciples, hey, Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead like he said he would. Like he said he would. I've seen him. She might have even given him a big hug. Jesus, I love you. Thank you so much. You saved my life. You changed my life. Verse 11 says that when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. The disciples, that, that they were grieving, they were sad. Their, their leader, their friend, their teacher was, was dead. What do you mean he's come back to life, Mary? Mary, that's not possible. Mary, that, that people don't just come back to life after being dead three days. Mary, that didn't happen. It says in verse 13, it says, Afterward, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. It says they, they rushed back to tell others, but no one believed him or believed them. 
again, you know, Jesus appeared to, to Mary Magdalene. Jesus appears to, to these two men. It's the men walking to Emmaus. People don't believe him. And you look at it, that, that Jesus made the claims. I will come back. I will come back after three days. And so I don't know if they were blinded by grief, if it was just their unbelief. I don't know. But the disciples didn't, didn't, didn't believe it. They didn't believe the people when they said, hey, Jesus is alive. Verse 14. So still later he appeared to the eleven disciples. As they were eating together. It says he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief. Because they refused to believe those who had seen him. After he had raised from the dead. You look at this. Uh, they're eating. They're, they're being together. They're, they're, they start having a family meeting at this point. It says that, that Jesus rebukes them. It's not that you are an awful, terrible, horrible person. It's, and you guys messed up. It's correction. It's conviction. It's, you know, all of this is done in love. And I, I think that as humans, I think a lot of times we often skip the love part and we convict and we, we even go as far as condemning somebody. But you look at Jesus and Jesus didn't condemn Jesus didn't hate, but Jesus, you know, here's the problem, guys. And Jesus said, here's, here's the thing. You guys are going to do great things. Jesus still always instilled hope into them. And, and I wouldn't say it was a false hope. I mean, you look at, at the lives that they lived. Martyrs dying for the cause of Jesus. And it's not like, oh, hey, surprise, um, guess what? You're going to die because of you followed me. Um, Jesus told them beforehand, you guys are going to follow me. People are going to hate you because you follow me. People are going to do this stuff because you follow me. Jesus told them that a long time ago. And that may have been reiterated at this, this, this little family meeting. But they, they, they had doubts. They, 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 their faith was small. That they spent three years with living with Jesus. And not just like, you know, they went to church on Saturday or Sunday with Jesus. No, it's like they traveled together. They lived together. They ate food together. This was like this relationship they had built up of trust and, and you know, that Jesus was a good leader. And so you look at it. I mean, for me, that brings hope that. That sometimes I doubt. Sometimes my faith is small. And, and I look at what God can still do, even though your faith is small. E- even though you have doubts that, that I believe that God reassures you. That, that God says, hey, I've got this. God says, I'm always faithful. And, and, and for me, I think that sometimes reminders that I need that, that God's never failed me. That, that God has never said, oh. Oh, I forgot about you. No, God has always been with me. God is always faithful. And so for me, I, I gain encouragement that I, I look at what the disciples did. They gave up. They, they, their, their faith was gone. Jesus reassured them. And man, look at what these guys did. Look at what they did for the gospel that, that it went and it traveled anywhere and everywhere they went. 
which leads us to verse verse 15. I love this verse. And it says, and he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. I, I took, uh, what was it, one, one or two, I think one semester of Greek in college. And, and I'll be honest, I can't tell you much of anything. Um, I, I passed with a D. And, and you can't spell degree without a D. And, and so I was, I was so glad to be done. Like the, and I felt bad because like the professor, like he dumbed down the, the final for us because we were awful. It was an awful class that, you know, there's supposed to be like hundreds of, of, you know, endings and vocabulary words that we we're supposed to know and we didn't. Oh, and mom and dad, I, I don't know if I ever told you that before, but um, I, I made it through. Um, and one of the things that, that I've heard from, from that class and from, from other you know, Bible studies is that that Jesus isn't here talking about, you know, foreign missionaries, that, that oftentimes that that verse is used when you're sending out a, a missionary, which is fine um, because the whole earth needs Jesus. Uh, but there's kind of a, a, a language difference between our English and the, and the, and the Greek. That, that it says that, you know, in this it says go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. And the Greek is it's, you know, as you're going through life. Your every day-to-day life, talk about the gospel. And, and, and I, I think that we, if we look at it that way, that's, that's, what, the, that's what the disciples did. That, that they lived day-to-day, they lived the gospel. They, they, they would go, they would talk to people, they would you know, do life with people. Um, you know, they would help the poor, they would help the widows, they would help the orphans. And I think that's what we're to do. And so you look at it, go into the world and, and preach the good news to everyone. I like that a lot of times that that Jesus or the Bible never put stipulations on these things. You know, preach the gospel, preach the good news to everybody but this person or that person or whatever. Jesus doesn't care about race. Jesus doesn't care about socioeconomic status. Jesus doesn't care about the color of skin. And as followers of Jesus, we're to imitate Jesus. And, and for us, those things shouldn't matter. Nationality doesn't matter. That, that we're to love and we're to, to tell the good news as we're going. That this good news that Jesus died, Jesus came back alive, and, and through that, Jesus defeated death, Jesus defeated sin. And, and so... That, you know, here's my here's my my guess that we're not all going to be foreign missionaries. But here's something I I, I will um, assume. We're all missionaries that, that, that as we go through our life, as you go to work, as you go to school, as you go to the gym, as you go wherever, we're, we're faced with opportunities to tell people about Jesus. We're, we're faced with opportunities that we can Share the love of Jesus. That, that we can pick up somebody's bill at the restaurant. We can pick up somebody's gas and water bill or electric bill or whatever. But that, that as we go through life, tell people about Jesus. That, that We're not called necessarily to be four missionaries, but we're called to be missionaries where we are. And he goes on in verse 16. Now, now that... 
for me, I, I look at things and I'm like, you know, if I would have written the Bible, there are parts I would have left out because they make me uncomfortable. I don't like them. Um, the, the second part of this would be that. He says, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. He says, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. You know, that, that this is a, a stiff, hard statement that is absolutely true. That, that Jesus talks here, he says that, that anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Um, that we, we have these, these people around us, and, and maybe us at some point and another, but we believe that God exists. Uh, I, I think that, that you would ask most people, does God exist? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, but we have to look at it that the demons believe that there is one God and that God exists. <laughs> and James tells us that, that they believe that and they tremble. I, I had a, a circumstance. I was in a situation. Oh, it was probably 2005 doing road construction and you know i was talking with the people around me we were i don't know, we were driving somewhere i don't remember we were talking about jesus and god and oh well, i believe god <laughs> oh and i, and I made mention that i was like well so does so do the demons and they tremble and and i probably shouldn't have said that because the conversation was over right then and there um that that's the truth though that that the demons believe there's one god and they tremble and so so we have Acquaintances, we have friends. Oh well, I believe in God. Okay, good. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you, do you believe that that there's more to life than what we're living, and that's only through Jesus? That that through Jesus' death on the cross, that yeah, he died like a lot of other people, but that wasn't the end. That he he came back, he defeated sin and he defeated death. That that three days later he wasn't in the tomb because. People went looking for him, and he wasn't there. So there, there's a difference between believing that, that God exists or believe that there's one God, but believing what he says, believing in Jesus. Now, we look at that, and it, you know, that it makes this, the statement that anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. And, and so we look at that, that we are a, a Baptist church. We believe in, in baptism. We believe in dunking people once they are saved. Um, now, you have to look at that, that salvation is not equaled with baptism. Baptism does not save anybody. Um, baptism is an, an outward expression of an inward change, that, that there is change in our life, and we, we go down as the sinner, and we come up as a new person. And so this, this baptism does not save us, but, but it is an ordinance that is something that Jesus said that we should do. Now, I, like I said, if there was something, some parts I could leave out of the Bible that, that made me uncomfortable, this would be it. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Man, that is a harsh, hard statement. But like I said, it is absolutely true. That, that anyone who refuses to believe... Anybody who refuses to believe that Jesus died and rose again and saved us from our sins, they will die physically as well as eternally. They will spend eternity in hell. And that's something that you know, society says, well, that's judging. No, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says, that, that without Jesus, we die and we go to hell. 
It's not pleasant. It's not like, oh, hey, let's all talk about that and have a whole lot of fun. No, this is like, I don't like that part, but it's true. I have to teach it. I have to preach it because that's what the Bible says. And they might get mad at you. Well, how can you say that I would go to hell? That's what the Bible says. That's not what I say. That the, the Bible says that hell is real and hell exists for those that don't believe in Jesus. That, that you know, we must acknowledge that. And, and, you know, looking at what Jesus tells us to do and, and go and, and share the gospel. Eternity is at hand. That, that every person we see has a soul. And every person we see that soul is going one of two places. And I believe that as followers of Jesus, we should have an urgency to say, I hope that your soul, I hope that you will go to heaven when you die. That, that, that we have this urgency that we tell them. You know, it's, it's not just the preacher's job or youth pastor's job or, or whatever, that we all have this job. I've been in conversations Oh, we get talking about the church or whatever. What do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. I'm a youth pastor. Conversation dies. Um, and, and so last seven years, oh, I work in heat and air. And, and so I, I, I don't lie to them, but I hide the truth per se. No, it's, it's you know, that, that you tell someone you're a pastor and that the, the conversation's over. They've already shut you down um, and they've already figured out ways to get out of the conversation. And, and so... That's something cool that, that the people in the congregation have this opportunity. Hey, I go to this church. I, I believe in Jesus. Um, here's my story. Here's things that happened in my life. Um, but with that being said, that's not me um, rejecting my responsibility. I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to tell people about Jesus because that's what we're called to. Um, I'm just saying that I've come across you know, circumstances where they shut you off, shut you down. Um, so... so we have to look at this. This is a serious part of the gospel that we are to tell others because, you know, Jesus loves them and we love them and we should care about their eternity. Verse 17 and 18. You know, I looked at this and we did this Wednesday night with a youth group. We finished up Mark. Um, 17 and 18. I'll be honest, this is not very, like, Baptist-y. Um, <laughs> um, let's look at what it says. Verse 17, it says that these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak new languages. It says they will be able to, to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be saved or will be healed. Uh, I'll be honest, like I looked at this and I talked about it with the, with the teens. I'm like, I don't fully understand everything. Um, and I told them it's not Baptist, this part here, you know, that. But we have to look at it, that these things Jesus talks about. And so we need to look at it. Um, demons, Jesus said, you'll be able to cast out demons. OK, um, so so we have to look at this and we say, do demons exist? And, and we look at it, and there, there's like extremes on either side that you have to be careful with. No, demons don't exist. Or it's everything that goes wrong is a demon. And so you have to look at it. Neither one of those are biblical or, or in my opinion, correct. And so you have to look at it. Um, do demons exist? Um, I would say yes. Um, I, I think that if you say 
No. I, I believe that you would be deceived, that, that the Bible talks about it, that, that there's, you know, that happens. Um, to what extent? I'll be honest, like, I don't know. Um, but, but the Bible talks a lot about that, that we are fighting a spiritual battle, that this is spiritual warfare, and this is something that, that we need to be on guard against. Um, and, and so Jesus said, cast out demons. Um, I've never cast out a demon. Um, and so we look at this, but we do have to be aware that we are fighting a spiritual battle, that we are engaged and not, the Bible tells us, not flesh and blood, but, but spirits. And, and so we have to be aware. Um, speaking in tongues or speaking a language is the next part. Um, that, that they will speak new languages. And you look at it, that, that we have... Um, you know, we have charismatic brothers and sisters, and, and they believe that, some of them believe that, you know, speaking in tongues would be a, a prayer in the Holy Spirit that goes directly to God. And I don't know. I, I haven't seen that scripturally. Um, I've seen that, that God gives language, that God, you know, allows someone to speak to another person. Um, and, and so, you know, you have to look at this, that, Again, you have to be careful going either side of this. You know, either know that this doesn't happen or, or oh, we, you know, speak in tongues. You just have to look carefully at it. And, and these are things, I mean, honestly, look, look for yourself. Study for yourself. Look into these things. Um, and, and the next one, um, I, I don't know, it, it, it bothers me. And they'll be able to handle snakes with safety. Who wants to do that? Um, I... This goes back in my memory, so I may be off a little bit, but was it Ray Stevens singing a song about going to a snake handling church and do they have a back door? No. Well, where would they want one? Um, I don't know. I look at this and I'm thinking, there's not really any good snake, no good reason to pick up a snake. Um, but and, and I was looking and studying and, and looking through this, and, and all of these had to do with, these were indicators for the people around them. That, that these were indicators to show that they had a God with them. You know, people, especially in the context it was written, especially, you know, A.D. 30 or 33, um, you know, that, that they would get bitten by snakes and not die. Um, that, that, you know, that there's accounts of that in the Bible. Um, they get bit by a snake and they, they several times and they don't die. Um, and again, you know, drinking the poison, you know, that, that you will drink poison and it won't hurt them. That, um, and one of the things I looked at is that, you know, enemies of Christians would maybe poison them on purpose or they would accidentally drink it. And, and the people would see, oh, well, they didn't die um, because of God's hand on them. Um, and, and here's a conclusion I came to. God gives us sense enough not to mess with this stuff or, or whatever the case is, um, that, that God gives us sense. Oh, that's a rattlesnake. He's poisonous. Let's not play with it. Um, but, you know, some, some people may like playing with rattlesnakes, and I guess that's their prerogative. Just stay away from me. Um, but we look at this, and these things, these are what Jesus said. And the last one, he says that, that you know, lay hands for healings, that, 
that, that they will be able to place hands on the sick and they will be healed. That, that we look at this. I mean, we do this. We, we lay our hands on people. We pray for people when they're sick. Um, now, with that being said, does God heal everybody every time we do that? No. no I mean, I, I, we see that and, and we, we go through life and, you know, maybe we've been praying for somebody and they, they pass away. We've been, you know, praying, God, please heal them. And, and it just doesn't happen. And you look at that. Does that diminish the power of God? Does that diminish God's power that, that he can't heal just because we prayed? No, no, that doesn't make God any less. That, that doesn't, you know, oh, you're not that good of a God now. And, and here's, here's the thing that I've had to conclude is that, that God's understanding is higher than ours. God, God's understanding is higher than ours. And, and so we look at it, okay, well, what if he would have healed them? They would have suffered because X, Y, and Z. They, they may have been alive, but they would have had an awful, terrible life. And, and so we look at it that, sure, we are to pray for people. We are to, to pray that God would heal them. But the thing to look at, though, is that, that God isn't a genie that we say, God, I want this. And, and you know, God says, okay, cool. Um, we, we have to look at everything according to Scripture. We have to say, you know, and, and understand that, you know, God answers things three ways, yes, no, and later. And, and so that... God heal this person. And something we might miss is that, okay, maybe they do die. Guess what? They're healed. Guess they, they, they're in heaven with Jesus. How awesome is that? I, I mean, for me, it's like I'm slightly jealous that you get to be with Jesus. You know, that's what Paul says. You know, to die is Christ, but to, to live is gain. It. I mean, they're going to be here making disciples, or I get to go be with Jesus. And, and so, so we look at this, that God's understanding is, is higher than ours. And we go on in verse 19. It says, when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right at the place of honor at the, God's right hand. So so this all happens. Um, Jesus ascends. Jesus goes to heaven, leaves earth and sits at God's right hand. And that's where he still is now. It says in verse 20, it says that, that and the disciples were went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. I, I love this, that the disciples were faithful to what Jesus had called them to. That, that the disciples, uh, I, I believe that through the resurrection of Jesus, took this huge step in maturity. That, that it went from faith to sight. That, that, that they have this thing that, this experience. Okay, Jesus is real. Jesus did what he said he would do. Jesus showed himself. Everything he said is absolutely true. They went everywhere. They went everywhere and preached the gospel. It, it wasn't that, you know, that they were, you know, setting out to make disciples all the way over here. But as they were going, they were making disciples. And so I believe that for us, I mean, I believe that that's our call. That's our purpose, that, that as we are going, we make disciples as well. You know, God confirmed what he was doing through the disciples. And I think that, you know, we can look at our life and we can see and we can confirm what God's doing in our life, that, that God still shows himself. God reveals himself. 
It, it may not be in a physical way that you actually see God, but I, I believe that, you know, the way circumstances work out, I, I believe that we will, that, that we will see God doing things in our life. And so, so we, we finish that and we close and we look. And, and this is a time I want you to, to, to look inside and, and, and to respond to what God said. Maybe God's dealing with you. Maybe God's convicting you. How have you responded to the gospel? How have you responded that, that Jesus died for your sins? He tells us that, that either you accept it and believe and are saved, or you reject it and you're condemned. And, and, and we look at it. We live in a world that there's no black and white, that, that there's no set answer. Everything's relative. But you look at what Jesus said, and it's black and white. It's, it's either true or not. You either are or you're not. Did Jesus, did you, did, do you believe what Jesus said? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Have you trusted him in that? Jesus defeated death for us. The thing is, the choice is ours. And, and you can't be like, well, I was raised in church and... So I'm a Christian. No, you have to look at it. At, am I a Christian because I made the choice to follow Jesus? Am I a Christian um, because of the choice I made? Or are you a Christian because of the choices someone else made for you? The thing is, it has to be our choice. Jesus, Jesus did the, the impossible part for us. Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected. And you look at the disciples, you, you look at the lives they lived after this encounter with Jesus, after, like I said, that we have the church who we are now because of them, that, that they were faithful, they were obedient to what God said. What are we leaving for those 100 years, 200 years, 1,000 years from now, if God waits that long? What are, what are we leaving for them? Are we leaving a church that, you know, is known for more of what they hate and what they're against? Or are we, are we leaving a church that, that shows genuine love, a church that, that preaches and teaches and shares the gospel? Do we have signs in our life that we love and we follow Jesus? And when you look at that, the disciples, they had all sorts of evidence, you know, that their life showed it. What about us? Do we have, do we have that proof? Do we have that evidence? You know, if we were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to be convicted? And so I want to leave with this, that, that we can be encouraged, that Jesus takes the faithless and makes them faithful, that, that Jesus takes those that, that mess up, that sin, that, that totally wreck something and make something great out of it. And some of the things that I've seen is that, that, that if you're still alive, God's not done with you, that if you're still here on this earth, that God still has a plan for you. And so let's close. I ask that you stand. I ask that